This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is five minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Friday morning wake-up call the day after Thanksgiving. Probably some of us still in a food coma this morning. Always uh, indulge a little bit too much on Thanksgiving, although this was a strange one. A lot of people uh, not able to be with family as normal. My mother actually spent uh, uh, the day home. By herself, she was not feeling well. She was supposed to go to my sister's house. You know, they're just a small gathering. and But she wasn't feeling well, and, you know, she just decided, it, it, you know, just to stay home. So, um, you know, obviously gatherings much smaller around the country. But, you know, I was talking before we had our meal yesterday. And, uh, you know, it's been a tough year, no question. I mean, <laughs> I made a joke about, you know, there's nowhere to go but up. But, you know, you <laughs> You know, somebody said, hey, 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 you know, don't put that out there because, you know, 2020, 2021 could be worse. You know, and I guess that's always the case. But, you know, we have my family, you know, we have been very fortunate through this whole pandemic. We have uh, all stayed healthy. We haven't had any positive tests in the family. Everybody has continued to work. Uh, We haven't had, you know, food problems, food insecurity like so many people around this country have. So my family uh, very fortunate this Thanksgiving. So we, you know, we really did have something to be thankful for. And I know it was not the case for many, as we saw with the food lines that were going on all around this country. So, um, well, that's in our rearview mirror. Today is Black Friday, a different Black Friday, although my wife, who works retail for Home Depot, said that it is very busy there this morning. But uh, retailers not doing the traditional Black Friday things. They've been doing it for the last month. So uh, a bit of a different feel. But again, uh, the holiday season is upon us, so uh, uh, it's a time that – and people have been dying for Thanksgiving. There were people putting their trees up before Thanksgiving, and I think it's just because people were looking for something um, positive and something to, to help make them feel better. So uh, Christmas has come early for a lot of people this year. Uh, you know, one of the other things that's uh, – been a stressor for us, and you heard it in the newscast. Donald Trump actually saying that he'll uh, he'll leave if the Electoral College certifies the uh, election. Geez, that's big of him. Of course, he's going to leave. He doesn't have any choice. <laughs> I still I still like the idea of having him uh, paraded out in handcuffs by the Secret Service, but I know it's not going to happen. But uh, I think he has finally come to the point where he understands that it's over. You know, he can talk about conspiracies. He can talk about voter fraud. He can talk about anything he wants. At the end of the day, he knows that it's over. And thank God. Um, You know, before we get to sports from yesterday, there was one thing I saw in the paper this morning that kind of uh, caught my attention. And this was another conversation I had uh, with some folks in my family the other day where so many people now are working from home. You know, companies with the 
the pandemic, decided to have people work from home. Well, there was a story this morning in the Hartford Current, uh, and it was originally uh, put on Bloomberg News, that a third of the companies in this country are planning to cut workers' pay if they relocate because they are no longer going to be working in the office. So if you work in New York City, and this is happening, people from New York City or New York State are buying houses in Connecticut and Massachusetts, places where it is less expensive to live because they're working from home, and now by moving out of the New York area and into another area, buying a house somewhere else, they're actually saving money on housing costs and food costs, and you know they're financially even better off. Well, there's a third of the countries now in this country have said that if they find out that their workers have relocated from the area where their company is, they will cut their pay accordingly to reflect uh, their new savings in their new location. Now, that just doesn't seem, look, that doesn't seem right to me. Uh, You know, and because especially these companies, you know, we have so many office buildings across this country, and I'm wondering what's going to happen five, ten years from now when companies realize, you know what, this working remotely thing, that's great. We don't need these huge offices, so you know we can save overhead by having a smaller footprint for offices because most, you know, half of our employees are working from home. So the company's going to save money. Well, now if you're going to turn around and cut pay for people that have are working from home and maybe decide to relocate, um, now you're going to make even more money because you're cutting your workers' pay. That just doesn't seem right to me, you know. But I guess if I owned a business, I might look at it differently. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out because the question will be, if companies do that, will they be able to stay competitive with other companies maybe for a similar position? Maybe another company's not cutting pay, so it might be tough for company A to keep their employees if company B has the same position and they're not cutting salary uh, when people work from home. So we'll see. But that's uh, interesting. Interesting. Uh, All right, let's get to our coronavirus update in the sports world. As you know from yesterday, yesterday's Ravens-Steelers game that was supposed to be last night uh, has been moved to Sunday because of some positive tests for the Baltimore Ravens. You know, we had a bunch of the Steelers players kind of grousing about it and, you know, griping and uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. And look, this is the world that we live in, you know, and I know the Steelers have had some games moved around because of what happened with Tennessee, and other, but cut it out. You know, I mean, look, just be grateful you're able to play the games at all. But what is concerning if you are a Ravens fan is one of those people who has tested positive is Lamar Jackson, your quarterback. There is a chance that Lamar Jackson is not going to be able to play in that game this weekend. That is huge. I don't, you know, look, I, there's no definitive word yet whether he will miss the game. But that is a distinct possibility. And if you're the Ravens and you're locked up in a tough AFC wild card race, I mean, look, you're, you're already three games or four games behind Pittsburgh. You're not catching them. But at six and four, there's a lot of teams at seven and three that are going to be battling for playoff spots. And this is a big game for Baltimore. Even if they, you know, look, even with Lamar Jackson, beating Pittsburgh may be a tough task, but without him, they've got no shot. So, obviously, if you're Baltimore, uh, you're hoping like heck that, uh, 
Jackson is cleared to play. Now, I don't know how that happens if you've tested positive, although I suppose, um, uh, you know, maybe maybe there's a false positive in there and maybe you hope that, uh, you know, the, the few extra days your next test will be negative and they'll allow you to play. But uh, it, there is a distinct possibility, no Lamar Jackson. So we'll uh, we'll see. Um, uh, Nick Saban will not be on the bench for Alabama this weekend or on the sidelines, I should say. It's not basketball. Uh, Nick Saban, the coach at Alabama, has tested positive, uh, did so on Wednesday, but it's not just testing positive for Saban. He has symptoms. Uh, They're saying that he's experiencing mild symptoms, but uh, this is not a false positive. He got a false positive last time, if you recall, a few weeks ago when there was a chance he was not going to be able uh, to coach, and then suddenly, miraculously, the day before, he was. But this time he has symptoms, so he is isolating. He's Look, he's 69 years old. You don't mess around with this stuff. Uh, so Steve Sarkeesian, the offensive coordinator, is going to be the uh, de facto head coach uh, in the Iron Bowl against Auburn this weekend. Look, Auburn, you know, Auburn's 5-2. and two, Alabama's undefeated. Alabama's winning this game whether Saban's on the sideline or not. Um, but obviously, and... If you recall, the last time there was this false positive thing and there was talk about whether Saban could somehow uh, coach from home. (laughs) Can't do that. Uh, There's no electronic communication allowed uh, once the game starts. Actually, it's about an hour and a half before the game starts. So Saban, once 90 minutes before game time starts, he is not allowed to Zoom, uh, text, call, any of that stuff, email, none of that. So he can't uh, be involved in the game process. Those, it's going to be on Steve Sarkeesian. So the only question would be is if this is a close game at the end, that might be the only time it's going to make a difference. Uh, but at the end of the day, you just hope that, you know, whether you're an Alabama fan, whether you're a Nick Saban fan or not, you know, he's 69 years old and, you know, you don't, you don't want him to die from this thing. So let's hope that the symptoms that he is suffering continue to be mild. Um the Southern Cal football game uh, this weekend against Colorado uh, has been canceled because USC did not have enough scholarship players available at a couple of specific positions because of positive cases, uh, so they had to cancel it. So Colorado immediately turned around and scheduled a replacement game with San Diego State in Boulder, Colorado on Saturday. Uh, San Diego State had an opening because its game at Fresno State had been canceled. Uh, So now Colorado and San Diego State will play this weekend. Um, Other football news, Larry Fitzgerald, the wide receiver from the Arizona Cardinals, and uh, Trent Shearfield have also been placed on the COVID-19 list. Fitzgerald was added on Thursday. Uh, He is not going to play this weekend. Larry Fitzgerald has not missed a game since 2014. He's 37 years old. Look, he's second on the team in reception. So that is a a huge loss for Arizona, no question. Um, Sherfield, you know, he's a he's a backup receiver. He's played in all 10 games, but mostly on special teams. But missing Larry Fitzgerald, that's going to be a big deal for Kyler Murray because uh, Fitzgerald has 43 catches this season, and he is, I think, first or second in targets uh, for Kyler Murray this year. So that kind of uh, safety blanket 
that Murray is used to having, he will not have on the sidelines against the Patriots uh, this weekend. Uh, the Cleveland Browns have placed defensive end Porter Gustin on the COVID-19 list, so now they are already without Miles Garrett, and now Gustin will miss this weekend as well. He is the third player to be put on the COVID-19 list uh, the past three days for the Browns. Uh, they've struggled with this all year. Uh, so he will miss the game this weekend. Um, University of Texas Arlington women's basketball program has had to pause all its activities for two weeks because of positive tests. We saw that happen to the University of Connecticut women's team uh, just last week. They were supposed to uh, have played a couple of games this weekend, and um, they have they are off for, I think, until the first like December 7th or December 8th because of the positive test. So it, it's 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 going around. You know, Baylor was supposed to be in Bubbleville at Uncasville this weekend for that whole Bubbleville tournament that they're having. Well, they were not able to go because of uh, some, some COVID-19 issues. Well, they suddenly made a flight yesterday uh, to Las Vegas. This was something that nobody knew was coming. Uh, and Baylor is headed to Vegas where they're going to play two games this weekend. They're supposed to play uh, an unnamed opponent uh, on Saturday, at least according to the AP story. Uh, it was the time this was published. They didn't know who it was going to be. And then they're going to play uh, Washington on Sunday. So they are going to play twice this weekend, uh, but uh, it's not going to be against who they originally thought. Uh, part of the problem, I think, with uh, Baylor not going to Uncasville was there was an issue uh, in the testing protocols between the Big 12 and the Big East. And uh, so that was one of the re- They were supposed to play Seton Hall, uh, and they decided to call it off because Seton Hall was not comfortable with the way uh, the Big 12 was doing its testing. So... Uh, so that is the story as far as that goes. I'm sure there will be uh, more coronavirus news uh, between now and then. And the question has to be for Baltimore, the Ravens. I mean, I expect that game will be played. They moved it to Sunday at 1 o'clock. I expect it to still be played unless something catastrophic happens with the number of players that test positive for Baltimore. But I expect that game will happen. But they they've without Lamar Jackson they've got no shot. We'll talk to Dan Zampano coming up here in about 10 minutes. Our NFL correspondent will be on with us. He is uh, uh home for uh, Thanksgiving back in Connecticut, back from Virginia, so we'll uh, talk to him coming up in just a couple of minutes. Uh the Yukon men's basketball team open play um on Wednesday night. It was nice to see. It was a rusty Yukon team. Now look, they beat Central Connecticut uh 102 to 75. But they had only had four practices because they had been shut down uh, because of the, the COVID-19 uh, positive tests. And even with four practices, they win that game big. Now, Danny Hurley at the end of the game, obviously you take the win. But not happy with the defense, doesn't like the fact they gave up 75 points to a Central Connecticut team out of the Northeast Conference that won a handful of games last year and shot the lights out. Uh, they shot... Uh, almost 50% from three-point range in this game. At, at one point in the first half, I think Central had a six- or eight-point lead. Um, but you knew the cream was going to rise to the top. But uh, Danny Hurley, I think his big thing today, they're going to play the University of Hartford tonight at 8 o'clock in their second game. Hartford better than Central Connecticut. Still a game that UConn can win, doesn't matter how many practices that they have. 
But if you're Danny Hurley with tougher games coming up and the Big East schedule coming up here in a week, you know, the start of the Big East season coming up here in a week or so, you need to get that defense better. And the only way you do that is with practice, you know. And uh, basically their game against Central the other night, it was kind of like a scrimmage. This game tonight could be the same thing. Now Hartford and Central have not or Hartford and UConn have not played uh, since 2008. So it's been a while, and uh, UConn leads the all-time series 13-1. to The only time Hartford ever beat them uh, was the first time they played, and that was a long time ago, back in uh, 1986. Uh, so this will be another uh, scrimmage-like condition for UConn, but if you're Danny Hurley, what you're looking for tonight is progress on defense. The takeaway for me from that game the other night against Central, even with just the four practices, uh, they are going to be one of the best teams in the Big East. Uh, James Booknight, 20 points. He looks so much better already than he did last year. He was in control. He was uh, uh, he had the, the speed and the quickness, the anticipation on defense, a couple of big steals that resulted in layups on the other end. Uh, I mean, everything, look, he's on the, the wooden watch list as for player of the year. And rightly so. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be player of the year in the country. He's not. But this kid, uh, I don't know that they're keeping him for four years. He has an NBA-type game. He looked really good the other night. Um, the other thing that impressed me, they've got uh, this kid. UConn has this kid, Adamas Sonogo. He is huge. Uh, he's 6'9", 240 pounds. And the other night, he was a force in this game inside. He, I think he had eight points, six rebounds, a couple of block shots. He is a wide body. This is a guy that's got, he looked like a man amongst boys, and he's a freshman. Uh, kid out of New Jersey, uh, eight, eight points and seven rebounds. I will be curious to see how he does tonight. Hartford is a bigger team. Uh, than Central Connecticut is. They come in uh, with a lot of big bodies, you know, and it's a team that is a veteran team. They return uh, a major portion of their offense from last year, but this is a team that's got a lot of guys that are 6'9 or taller. So they are going to give UConn a little bit of a test tonight because of their side, their size. And Sonogo is going to be a big factor tonight. So I'm going to be curious how to see how this freshman um, matches up against this bigger team. The other thing we'll see tonight, we will see Tyrese Martin for UConn. He did not play in their opener. He had been suspended for a game by the NCAA. Why? Supposedly he played in some kind of a some, an unapproved summer league game this year, and so the NCAA suspended him for one game. I didn't even know there were summer leagues going on with the whole pandemic thing going on, but supposedly he played in one summer league game, and so the NCAA suspended him for the first game of the season. But he will be back tonight. Of course, he is the transfer uh, from Rhode Island, a kid that Hurley recruited to Rhode Island before he left to come to UConn, uh, and he stayed there. Uh, but then transferred to UConn after his sophomore season, got a waiver from the NCAA uh, to play right away without having to sit out a year. So uh, he will make his debut for UConn tonight. Look, UConn played everybody the other night against Central, as you might expect. They'd hope to do the same thing tonight. The only question I have is 
you know, there were a lot of uh, a lot of bodies, and there's only one basketball and only so many minutes of a game. And Tyrese Martin wasn't in. A Cook, A Cook doesn't come back probably till sometime in the middle of January. There's going to be a major battle on this team for minutes, and it can only make this team better as they work harder and harder in practice to earn those minutes. So uh, it'll be fascinating to watch what kind of rotation uh, we have for this UConn team as time goes along. Uh, basketball from last night, a couple of uh, really good games. Number one, Gonzaga, impressive victory over Kansas. Uh, they beat them 102-90. Uh, to 90. Uh, it was the uh, opener for both teams. It was the Rocket Mortgage uh, tip-off in Fort Myers, Florida. Uh, Gonzaga built a double-digit lead. I mean, at one point they were up, I think, 18 points. Kansas made a bit of a comeback, but uh, this is a really, really good Gonzaga team. So they win that one easy. Uh, I watched the Villanova game last night against Arizona State. Villanova beats Arizona State 83-74 uh, as part of the Bubbleville down in Uncasville. Um, and the game wasn't as close as, as it sounds. Uh, Villanova built a pretty big lead in the second half. Arizona State made a little bit of a run, got it back within 10, but couldn't get it any closer. But uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl last night, a career-high 28 points. Uh, Justin Moore had 16 and uh, 12 rebounds. And Villanova, who struggled a bit in their opener, Boston College gave them a heck of a game in the opener. Uh, they were really good against that Arizona State team last night, so they win that one. Uh, other games from last night, I watched a little bit of this one. Uh, West Virginia beat uh, VCU 78-66, uh, and uh, they will take on Western Kentucky today in the final of the Bad Boys Mowers Crossover Classic. <laughs> I love that. In uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, uh, Western Kentucky beat Memphis in the uh, uh, in the semifinals of that tournament, 75 to 69. So lots of college basketball coming up today. Uh, a couple of quick baseball notes before we get to uh, the break, and Dan Zampano joins us at 930. Uh, you probably saw Charlie Morton leaving uh, the Tampa Bay Rays. He signs a one-year contract with the Braves for $15 bucks. Uh, Tampa had declined a $15 million option in Morton's contract, so... The Braves gave him the 15 mil he would have gotten from Tampa. And this kind of a reunion for Morton and Atlanta. He was drafted by Atlanta back in 2002, and he actually made his major league debut with Atlanta back in 2008 and then was traded to Pittsburgh uh, in 2009. So uh, Charlie Morton kind of coming back uh, where it all started, and he will join a rotation uh, with Max Fried. Ian Anderson, Kyle Wright, uh, Mike Soroka, they're hoping to get back. He had an Achilles tendon uh, tear last year, and they're hoping to get him back sometime in 2021. And, of course, the Braves also signed uh, Drew Smiley. So uh, uh, that is going to be a very, very impressive uh, Atlanta Braves team. You probably heard that uh, Randy Rosarena from the Rays was arrested in Mexico, some kind of a domestic dispute uh, with his wife. Uh, but uh, he has been released from jail because his wife declined to press charges. Now, MLB is looking into it, but it doesn't sound like it was a physical altercation, uh, but MLB said they're investigating, so it's not beyond the possibility that a Rosarena could find himself suspended at least for a short time uh, because of that, because he wound up in the uh, the Huscao down in Mexico. It's 28 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Dan Zampano will join us. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. 
It's 30 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Friday morning, and we are pleased to join or have joined us, Dan Zampano, back from Virginia, back in Connecticut, and uh, had a chance to have some turkey yesterday, watch a little football. Not as much football as we thought we were going to get, Dan, with one game canceled, but uh, mm-hmm. those were not uh, those were not uh, very competitive games yesterday, but the Washington football team now in first place in the NFC least. Start uh, printing out those T-shirts, huh? Or, or in ball caps for the Washington football team. Who would have thought? You know, you take away the name and everything gets all better. You know, I mean, it's that's a uh, heck of a performance yesterday, especially on a national TV audience where they typically don't really do well in these type of situations and, and haven't really got a lot of national recognition. So. Good for them, and, and, and obviously good for their coach in their first year as well. Well, you know, I, we, I've talked about how much pressure Mike McCarthy is going to be under down there in Dallas. Mm-hmm. And then yesterday, in a game where Dallas is trailing by four points, they go for <laughs> a fake punt on a fourth and ten from their own 24-yard line early in the fourth quarter. This is still a – all you got to do is play defense, and they try a fake punt at their own 24-yard line. Doesn't work, and Antonio Gibson scores on the first play in the other direction, and that's where you go. What is Mike McCarthy thinking? That opened the floodgates, didn't it? I yeah. mean, isn't the so, – so the special teams coordinator is John Fossil, who yep. is very, very prone to – opening up Pandora's box full of ideas in, in special teams. And he's just such the opposite of the way Mike McCarthy normally coaches. Like Mike McCarthy has done things this year that he really has never done. And maybe you give him credit for that, but clearly it, it doesn't seem to fit the coaching style of him, of defensive coordinator, Mike Nolan. Um, clearly they just had no trust in the defense and <laughs> yeah. that's like, you know, I mean, the thing that's like repeat the same song over and over DJ. I mean, that's the way it is. They don't have any trust in the defense because you can see how much of a sieve it was giving up like 115 yards rushing to Antonio Gibson alone, but they give up like 180 yards on the ground yesterday. I mean, this has been the number one reason why the Dallas Cowboys are in the position where they are. Yeah, yeah. Not the quarterback, not any of those other issues. It's in the defense. And Mike McCarthy making very, very strange, you know, um, approvals of what John Fossil wants to do. It makes zero sense. And obviously it uh, came back to bite them. Well, Antonio Gibson making Washington fans like harken back to the days of John Riggins. I mean, he yeah. was. I mean, he was unbelievable yesterday. And this is a kid was what a third round pick, and uh, has, third round pick out of Memphis. Yeah, yeah, not not exactly. I mean, that's not not exactly a spot where you would think. Uh, but this kid is looking like he could truly be uh, a stud for a while in the NFL. Well, you know what's so funny about him is that. Uh, he only played like nine games in college. Yeah. He was he had like one season and, and that was so cool about him. He was so fast coming out and Memphis was such an electric offense that, you know, Washington was like, heck, you know, let's see if we can make this guy into the next Tamara slash, you know, McCaffrey type of player. And so far he's kind of been that way. I mean, he had a couple of catches yesterday as well too. Right. Helped out my fantasy team. Right, mine too. Fantastic stuff. That yeah, beautiful. And, uh, you know, I mean, for them going forward, if you look at the way they're structured, they're really a quarterback away. I mean, they really are. 
yeah. they have a couple of issues on the line, but they have some good stuff. That's a team that in the future really might contend to be a dominant team in that division. Well, Washington can uh, can at least enjoy it for a week because they get to play Pittsburgh next week. So, <laughs> you know, the team in first place in the NFC least is not going to uh, probably be sitting there for very long. The other game yesterday, Deshaun Watson might be the hottest quarterback in the NFL, but I guess what he's doing uh, comes under the category of uh, a little bit too late. But uh, 318 yards passing in his last uh, six games, 15 touchdown passes, no picks. Yeah, I guess they woke up against New England last yeah, week, didn't something, they? I yeah. mean, uh, and, and, and you know what? I mean, that should have been. I think what they have done is that the offensive coordinator there has really switched things up and says, forget running the football. We're just not yeah. going to do it anymore, and we're going to throw it all over the yard because we have the best quarterback in this division, and we should win. And even without a couple of receivers out there, um, they really, Detroit had, I mean, how pathetic, <laughs> like pathetic Detroit was. I mean, they, they looked like they were running around out there with their eyes closed, like a turkey with their head cut off type of thing. I mean, it was not, it was brutal. It was right. brutal to watch it. Will Fuller had an amazing game. Um, again, one of the more underrated receivers. The Texans probably are too little too late, but you know what? I mean, I think they can, can transition next year uh, once they, you know, end the season transition next year into something really good if they can just get a couple of defensive pieces that would be really solid the Detroit uh, season was kind of a a microcosm in one play J.J. Watt the defensive end with the pick six that's one of those as a defensive lineman that's like the kind of interception you like dream about because that just shouldn't happen and but that I said only in Detroit could that happen I mean that was unbelievable well one of the Thanksgiving traditions that we should really consider ending is Detroit yeah, on Thanksgiving I'm, I'm at 30. I mean, we really need to take a look in the mirror and say, look, we might need a new team here. I'm sorry. Well, you know, you crazy. Know, I know you're, I mean, you're, you're pretty young, but, but I, I remember the days, even when the Lions stunk, they always seemed to somehow get up for games on Thanksgiving and be competitive. That has not been the case recently. That is for darn yeah. sure. So I'd, I'd, I'd support that. All right, let's get to a few games last week before we talk about the other stuff going on this week. And uh, uh, let's start off with uh, the Patriots game from last week. I'm sure you probably are trying to block that out. But a team where mm-hmm. you expected them to run all over Houston last week, uh, and they did just about the exact opposite of that. Um, you know, I guess I start with, what happened? Why weren't they able to run the ball as effectively as everyone thought they should be able to? I mean, if you looked at the way Detroit yesterday uh, opened the second half, Adrian Peterson ran roughshod over them. Yes. I mean, and, and I'm thinking to myself while I'm watching this, I'm like, Damian Harris right now is the number one rated PFF running back in football. Why could we not do that with the offensive line that we did, what right. we had? And the explanation from Belichick was that, well, the Texans did some scheme stuff to, you know, open up the pass, and we thought it would be, you know, better if we did that, this and that. It's like, that's not you. Like, that's like that's not your identity this year. I think the Patriots have been so used to being able to kind of mold themselves to the, you know, game plan how they want to because of the quarterback. 
And now, because they don't have him, uh, they don't have that ability to metamorphosize their offense. Yeah. So that happened, and it's not like the Patriots didn't move the ball. The guy had like 360 yards passing. Yeah, right. Um, right. But they couldn't finish drives. And that was so frustrating about the game, is that the drives that they went down, they couldn't finish them. Um, but, but, Gene, this, this loss is clearly on, on the defense. I mean, yep. you just, they had, they were missing, missing Kenny Stills, missing Randall Cobb, missing the left tackle, Tunsil. I mean, they were missing so many key guys and they got crushed. I mean, just absolutely uh, bamboozled by that Texans offense with Watson throwing every which way to whoever he wanted guys who I haven't even heard of. <laughs> and it, that's, that's, that's the problem here. Yeah. I mean, we've got Jason McCourty, Jason McCourty has been running around all season. Like he ha- is retired and, and Devin McCourty should probably give his contract back for getting Jason McCourty back on the team. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. Stefan Gilmore. Oh, he's back. Still can't cover anybody. That was a abysmal performance after such a good performance against Baltimore, and it probably ended the season. All right, let's uh, to uh, go to the opposite direction. I uh, <laughs> the Chiefs and the Raiders game yesterday or last week was was fun yeah. to watch, and I have to look. I have not been a big believer in the Raiders, and uh, but they almost pulled it off again. But it showed me, and I remember when this happened. Al Michaels said, well, a minute and 43 on the clock, that's like a lifetime for Patrick Mahomes. The precision with which he conducted that last drive, although I have to, I I have to, it it almost looked like the Raiders were trying not to lose this game. They gave such a cushion uh, when uh, in the secondary that I thought they kind of made it easy for Mahomes. So that's not to take anything away from what Mahomes did, but it almost looked like the Raiders were playing not to lose. It's hard to say because, you know, I, I look, they gave out one of the most valiant efforts twice now. Yeah. I mean, really the two most valiant efforts that any team has put up against that team. And I'm not, I mean, you're just at the mercy of Mahomes at that point. Yeah. You're in the fourth quarter. you got to make one play, and, you know, that's the guy you have to go up. And it's, it's demoralizing, right? you would think, you know. But I, I can give the Raiders all the credit in the world for how they play. I mean, they, to me, if I was going to buy a ticket on a team to, to win the AFC, that would be the first team I would go to the window and say, give me the Raiders really? or whatever number. I mean, they're... They are, well, if you think about it, they're the only team that has challenged the Chiefs. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I think they would probably give the Steelers a good run, too. So, you know, to me, the way Derek Carr is playing, the weaponry that he has around him, um, all the young receivers, I mean, you got Ruggs out there and Brian Edwards, and, and look at Nelson Aguilar having an absolutely just renaissance here. Um, Waller, the tight end, Jacobs, they can run the ball, they can throw the ball. I mean, they can do so many different things on offense. Defensively, are they a little bit of a liability? Yeah, but they were missing three guys. I mean, that defense did not practice all week and put up a performance like that. I mean, you got to give credit to that. I mean, they, they really could have, really, I think if they had had all their guys there and, and had practiced all week, they might have beaten that team. Again, and, and it would have been unbelievable. We'd be talking about the Raiders, one in the AFC West. Like, it, I think that team 
is a very scary team. I do not want to see them in the playoffs. You know, when you watch uh, – when you watch the Chiefs play and you watch what Mahomes does and you mm-hmm. watch and, and, and add Travis Kelsey in there, you, you, you now know, I guess, how teams felt when it was Brady and Gronkowski for all those years. Yeah. You know, I mean, Kelsey is – Kelsey, he doesn't – he's, you know, he's just such a huge target. And Mahomes feels I, – I think Mahomes, as long as Kelsey's on the field, that is his – that's his safety blanket, I think. And, man, what a, what a combo those two have turned out to be. Uh, let's yeah, uh, let's, it really is. It really is that way. You're right. The team that uh, that we keep trying to bury, the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> you know, now look, I understand it was the Eagles. I, I get it, and I understand how bad the NFC East is. But you know, you have a Cleveland Browns team that's playing without Miles Garrett, and yet they and and you no, know, the weather may have been a factor here. Maybe the weather helped them, but that was a big win for them last week. And look, you know. This is a team. I mean, I mean, there's still a lot of games left, but this is a team that is looking like a playoff team. Well, I think in in respect to the game last week, the the, the quarterback playing on the other side was, was very helpful yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah, no but it was terrible. But I I I can say this. I my opinion on the Browns has not changed. I mean, they continue to be the ninth grade bully. I mean, they continue to be the team that beats up on bad teams and and cannot compete with a good one. I mean, we haven't seen them compete with a good team all, all year, at least as, as far as I can remember. I mean, they got crushed by Baltimore. They got crushed by Pittsburgh. Yep. I mean, they, they, like, you know, I mean, where is the quality win? I mean, this team's going to make the playoffs because they're playing Jacksonville. Yeah, they got Jacksonville this week, this week yeah. You know, I mean, like, they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to be out in one game, and they're probably going to get crushed by whoever they play. I mean, it's, I have no faith in the Browns. The Browns are probably going to be one of the worst playoff teams in modern history. So, all right, so I, I have, I have no, I have no, no opinion on them. All right, so, so where is so where is the where if 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 you could pick one part of the Browns where you would say this is why they're a bad team? Is it? I mean, offensively, I mean, look, Baker Mayfield is what he is, but you've got a pretty good one-two punch with Chubb and Hunt at running back. I mean, those those that's a pretty good that's a pretty good backfield, you know. So where's the problem? Is the problem the defense? I think that they have definitely been helped out by an easy schedule and i think that they have been helped out yeah probably i think their defense is very overrated uh you can definitely run on them i looked at some numbers last week in terms of rushing efficiency on the on the uh, on the browns and, and and there's no question you you can definitely run on this team um and then the quarterback i mean everything lies on the quarterback i mean you look at baker mayfield right baker mayfield is like noah on the ark right He's got two of everything. He's got two great left. He's got two great tackles. He's got two really good running backs. He's got two really good receivers, although one of them is hurt. Like he's got two of everything, and yet they never win a big game. I mean, you tell me. Would he yeah. land on Mount Ararat and survive the flood? I don't know. I don't know if he would do that. I I have to tell you, when I was preparing for this interview this morning, the last thing I thought I was going to get was a biblical reference, but. Uh... <laughs> Noah. Well, maybe that's going to should be. Well, you know, maybe that should be Baker Mayfield's new new nickname. Noah. I like that. 
That's uh, what he is. Peace be with you. All right, let's uh, let's get to this week's games. And, and you know, there aren't a lot of great games this week. There really aren't. Um, there's a. I mean, there's some close lines, but there's some crappy teams out there. So I had a hard time, and I'm going to start mm-hmm. with this one. This I don't, I don't know that this is going to be a great game. Although maybe I'm wrong. Let's start at New England with Arizona. I Arizona is only a two point favorite. The way the Patriots are playing, I expect Kyler Murray to throw the ball all over the yard and the Patriots to lose by three touchdowns. That's the, that's the way I feel. <laughs> you know, now now there is now we do know Larry Fitzgerald's not going to play for Arizona this week. But right. I don't. If I'm if I'm an Arizona fan, I'm I'll lay those two points because I think this is an easy win for the Cardinals this week. Well, we're going to see. I mean, the Cardinals they have to come across the country to play this one o'clock game. Um, you know, the young quarterback. The problem is, it's going to be a really nice day in Foxborough right, right. on Sunday. Uh, look, the Cardinals are hot. DeAndre Hopkins. We all know who's guarding him this week. It's Stephon Gilmore and. To be honest with you, I'm not really sure that Stephon Gilmore is up to the challenge right now. I mean, he well, he looks like he's playing for a contract, really, and just kind of has given up. I mean, it's 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 kind of depressing, to be quite honest with you. Um, I think the hard part about this game is going to have to be the running portion of the quarterback and the running backs. And, right. You know, the Patriots did a really good job of that uh, against Baltimore on Sunday. Uh, or a couple Sundays ago, so you know they kind of held their own in that regard. I think Murray is a much is is a better passer though than than Jackson, and they have so many more weapons that they can use in Arizona. I want to pick the Patriots here because I think it would be a really nice bounce back spot, but just the way they're playing on defense is atrocious, and I I, I don't think I feel comfortable. Unfortunately, it's one of the few times that that I've picked against the Patriots this year. So I'm gonna go I'm gonna roll with uh, roll with the Cardinals this week. All right, this next one, this should be, and this is actually one of the few really good games on the schedule this week. I am looking forward to this one. Tennessee is at Indianapolis. Uh, Indy is a three-point mm. three favorite in this one. Well, you know, I think this game comes down to special teams. I think if you have the issues that the Titans have had with punting, uh, they've run their, like their third punter. Yeah. Uh, Gaskowski is the human puddle, as yeah. we like to call him. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's an issue. But can the Titans repeat what they did last week and run all over the Colts? The problem is the Colts are the number one defense in football. And, you know, we've been talking about the Colts as like this mid-tier level team. Yeah. Do we start putting the Colts at, you know, maybe the top level of the AFC? I mean, I, I'm not sure. And I think the thing that gives us all pause on that is the quarterback. Right. And, you know, I mean, it's not that Philip Rivers has had a bad season, but you you know that in big spots he is could it, lose games. He's a turnover so, waiting to happen. Right. Exactly yeah. my point. Yep. So, to me... I don't think the Colts sweep the Titans this year. I think the Titans get revenge from a couple of weeks ago, and I think we have a real dogfight with the AFC South going down the stretch. I'll take the Titans. All right, now uh, this uh, I'm, I'm I'm not even going to talk about the Miami Jets game because I'm just putting that one in the books for Miami. So let's <laughs> let's go to the other game in the AFC East of interest this week, and that of course would be uh, the Chargers are at Buffalo. Now the Chargers put up, you know, a pretty, yeah. a pretty good offensive performance, but they gave up an awful lot of points to that Jets team last week. Uh, what happens in Buffalo this week? The, the Bills are a five and a half point favorite. 
Well, if you listen to the Sunday card, the Jets were actually the only team that I gave out that actually hit the number. So that really? was very helpful okay. to Joe Flacco. Yes. So um, I think the Chargers get crushed this way. Really? And just absolutely crushed. I, I think they have, they're going to come across the country after a, after a quote-unquote big win against the Jets. And, you know, I mean, that's uh, the Bills are off of a bye. You know, they've had two weeks to prepare for this game. They're way, way, way better than the Chargers are. They're going to have to guard Ken Allen and do all those things that they have to do, yes. And there's possibibly Austin Eckler might come back this week. But um, I think that nobody's covering Diggs. I mean, Diggs is going to have a field day in this game. So, you know, to me, Buffalo by two or three touchdowns. I kind of have the same feeling of this next game. And uh, the Kansas City Chiefs are heading to Tampa. And, look, Tom, mm. Tom Brady did not look great last week. And, you know, there, there seems I. It doesn't. I wonder how Tom is handling the fact that he has a head coach that actually is not afraid to criticize him. You know, and and you know, there's been a lot of t- Bruce Arians has talked quite a bit about Brady's performances this year, and I don't mm-hmm. think Tom's used to that. And so it's going to be interesting to see how he responds. I mean, and it's going to be key that he respond and play better if they're going to have any chance this week. But this seems like an easy win for the Chiefs for me. See, the issue here is that, yes, the Bucks are off of, you know, a very short week, losing to the Rams. You know, I mean, clearly a bad performance in the second half of Brady. Um, I can see where you would say, oh, Bucks, you know, maybe they bounce back here, you know, after that loss, it's tough. But the Chiefs didn't play very well either. You know, I mean, the Chiefs, the Chiefs almost lost that game in Vegas. And, yeah, they got a big win on the road and, 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 and on a Sunday night in front of everybody. Uh, but I don't think they were very happy with the performance that they put up, especially on defense. Uh, the one thing that concerns me, though, is that their offensive line is a little, le- a little leaky, a little leaky. Uh, but to me, I just don't think the Bucks play defense as disciplined as as they should, and as as good as their defense has been, their corner play has been not very good. I mean, look at the efficiency ratings with them when they're covering; it's not very good. Now they got welcome Tyreek Hill to the building, welcome Travis Kelsey to the building, and and others. Right. I think this game is closer than people think. Okay. I don't think it gets within. I don't think he gets without of a touchdown. I don't think they win by more than that, but I think the Chiefs will ultimately win. This next game, um, Baltimore at Pittsburgh. I guess the big question here is we don't know if Lamar Jackson is going to be able to play because of a positive test. So, I mean, it was going to be an uphill battle with him. Without him, it could get ugly. Yeah, no way. Uh, even if Lamar played, I mean, it's, it's not happening. I just, I, this thing, this team is dead. It's a dead team walking. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, I mean, they're they're. Listen, I mean, they have put up two weeks in a row, and really three of the last four weeks, two abysmal performances. The three abysmal performances. I mean, your your offense clearly, there's something fundamentally wrong with what they're trying to do. Yep. And um, they haven't really get been getting Lamar involved in the running game as much. It's been more of him running from the passing game. Mm-hmm. So to me, and the other thing is you can't just throw to Mark Andrews every play. I mean, they don't have anybody else that has been involved in the offense really. So 
with Pittsburgh coming in, I, I, look, Pittsburgh is the definition of the lunch pail team. I mean, they put their heads down. They don't care about their record. They don't care about going undefeated. They just go and they play. And they have fun doing it. So they're going to be up for this game. And if this game gets played, hopefully it will. Yeah, right. Uh, and hopefully, and hopefully, it's hopefully they make a play on Sunday because you know what, Pittsburgh has gotten really screwed on a lot of these, you know, scheduling snafus that have happened. So if the Ravens got to put sixteen guys from practice squad on the roster, like make them do it, you know, like they're the ones that caused this issue. So I would say Pittsburgh by it might get ugly. To be honest really? with you, it might get okay. ugly. All right. Yeah. Uh, another game that has the potential to be ugly is Monday night, uh, Seattle at Philadelphia. If Philly is going, look, I mean, I know even if they lose with the way the NFC East is, they're not out of it, but I mean, Philly is a team right now that has to be reeling and, uh, do they have any shot Seattle, a five point favorite on the road at Philly? I'm going to do it again. I'm no. going to hold my nose. No, and this not. is the upset pick of the week. No. It's, it's the upset pick of the week. It's <laughs> Philadelphia beating Seattle at home on Monday night. I just think that, listen, they're going to get Zach Ertz back here. But Seattle just doesn't play defense very well, clearly. Um, I, I, I need for Doug Peterson to hear this for me. Run the damn football, please. Run the football. Right. In the right spots, run the football. This game looks like it's going to have weather involved. I'm hoping that slows Russell Wilson down. Um, I hate doing this. I absolutely just hate this pick, but I just got a funky feeling. And really, if you look at last week, the Eagles really easily could have won that game. If not for Carson Wentz making some really stupid decisions, right. uh, especially inside the ten yard line, I mean some really dumb decisions. So I think that they'll be able to handle the Seattle offensive line. Their D line is still great. Um, Metcalf is going to be a problem. Um, you're going to have to double him and then find somebody to cover Lockett underneath. It's going to be a challenge. Like there's no question about it. But you know. Like, you just can't turn the ball over. <laughs> and Seattle's been doing that. Seattle's been turning the ball over. Um, so, you know, to me, I, I I got that bad, you know, agita from some turkey yesterday or something because <laughs> I'm, I'm going with the, with the Eagles here. All right. Uh, you know, before I let you go, I, I forgot to mention this earlier, and you and I talked last week. I have to take my hat off to Sean Payton. Because I thought yeah. he was out of his ever-loving mind when it was announced that Taysom Hill was going to start at quarterback. Well, goes to show you what I know. Because what a performance last week! And I look, I know it was the Falcons. Let's not get carried away. It's not like they beat the Chiefs, but right. but still, for a guy who you know had no business being a starting quarterback in the NFL, at least I didn't think so. What a performance that Hill put up last week. Yeah, Hill did a really nice job, I think, in the, especially in the second half, because in the first half, they really kind of struggled to get that offense going. But in the second half, Hill really, you know, I was surprised how well he threw the ball. Yes. And he had that one throw that was like a punt, basically. But, I mean, he he actually threw the ball with, like, you know, a lot of power, a lot of accuracy uh, deep down the field. Like, that's what the Saints have kind of been missing. Now, can he do it two weeks in a row is my question. 
And can he do it outdoors in a place yeah. like Denver? It, yeah, but up, up that's in what the, I want to know. Yeah, in the altitude, that might be the the kind of the X factor this week. But and to, to me, to me, I'm not so sure. I'll be honest. I'm surprised you didn't give me that game because I I I might be inclined to take Denver to win that. Really? Game. I mean, really? That's, yeah. yeah I, I, I thought about it, that, but so. I thought about it, but I figured if they beat Atlanta, they were going to beat Denver. But I for, you know I I forgot that it was at Denver in, in the altitude, so that might that might play into it. But I but again. I just thought that <laughs> that Peyton was out of his mind. I didn't think there was any chance they were going to win that game without the quarterback. I think if he could get if he could get another player like that, like a Lamar Jackson esque player that that plays somewhere in college football right now, I think he would do it and he would try to revolutionize the game by putting two quarterbacks out there that can throw and pass and catch. I mean, I really I really believe that. Wow, uh, run, run, and catch. I think he would do something like that. Well, Mr. Zambano, it's uh, great to have you back in the state, at least for a little while. And uh, for folks that didn't know, mm-hmm. we didn't we didn't tell anybody, but Dan was actually quarantined in his backyard for a little while. He tested positive. <laughs> it turned out to be a false positive, so I'm, I'm sure you were uh, yeah. grateful for that, and you were able to uh, actually be inside <laughs> for Thanksgiving, folks. He sent me a video. Oh. He was in a tent in his backyard with a generator and a, he- and a heater, and he's watching football, uh, Monday Night Football, in a tent in his backyard, and I don't think I have laughed that hard in years, but I am glad that, I am glad that it was a false positive, my friend. Thank you, sir. I, it, was like, it wasn't that bad. I got that place up to 90 degrees. It was like a cabana in there. It was fantastic. <laughs> Dan Zapano here on Sports Country Radio. Have a great weekend, my friend, and we will look forward to talking to you next week. Gene, I'm very thankful for you, my friend, and for the show. Thank you so much for allowing me to do it, and God bless. Thanks, buddy. Uh, Dan Zabano here on Sports Country Radio. That is going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back on Monday with another edition of the Wake Up Call. We leave you this morning with our first holiday music of the season. This is a new one by Dolly Parton and Jimmy Fallon, of all people. Here's All I Want for Christmas is You. We'll see you Monday. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. I don't care about the presents underneath the Christmas tree. I see. I don't need to hang my stocking there upon the fireplace. Mm-hmm. Santa Claus won't make me happy with a toy on Christmas Day. I just want you for my own, more than you could ever know. May my wish come true. Christmas, I won't even wish for snow. I just wanna keep on waiting underneath the mistletoe. I won't make a list and send it to the North Pole for singing.
Christmas, Dolly. <laughs>